The following resource is brought to you by Real Life Community Church in Richmond, Kentucky. We hope you're both challenged and encouraged by this message from Pastor Chris May. So we're in our third installment of our series on the life of Joseph. We're doing this kind of character study. In case you missed one of the first two messages, I'm just going to give you a real quick bit of backstory. Joseph is the great-grandson of Abraham. He's the grandson of Isaac and the son of Jacob, the great patriarchs of our faith. He's the 11th of 12 boys, and his father, Jacob, Israel, shows unequivocal favoritism towards him. And this causes his brothers to become very jealous and envious of him, and they grow to despise their brother Joseph. And then on top of all this, it seems that God, um, by unmerited favor, chooses Joseph for his purposes. And this infuriates the brothers even more. Now he's got not only the, the favoritism of uh, the father, their earthly father, but now as the brothers see it, he's got God's favoritism as well. And now God's given him this great dream. And so the brothers come up with this scheme. They first want to kill Joseph. They're 64 miles away from their, their, their home and they have this great opportunity to end their brother's life. But they decide, hey, if he's dead, what are we going to gain? Let's make a little money off of him. So for 20 uh, shekels of silver, they sell their own brother into slavery. They, uh, they first, they strip him down and they, of his robe of many colors. They throw him into a dry cistern and uh, then they end up selling him to some Ishmaelites who are passing by, who then in turn sell, them, sell him as a slave to uh, Potiphar there in Egypt. Now, here's what it appears at this point in the story. It seems that Joseph has gone to, from hero to zero overnight. Have you ever felt like that in your own life? He goes from being the privileged son, the favorite son, to being a slave in Potiphar's house. He goes from, think about this, from being surrounded by family to having no close relatives around him. I mean, he's just alone in a foreign land. And he, he goes from being in a place where people know and love the true and living God to a very pagan community, kind of a godless atmosphere. I mean, his world has changed overnight, hasn't it? And if we did not know the end of the story, it would appear that God at this point has forgotten Joseph, have you ever felt for a moment that God has forgotten you? Have you ever been like this, like, God, remember me, I'm down here? And what we find, in fact, is that God's invisible hand, as we call it, his hand of divine providence is at work the entire time in Joseph's life. He is positioning Joseph to be in the right place at the right time. We call this, again, divine providence. And you could say it like this. When you read the story of Joseph and you're wondering, God, what in the world's going on? When you get to the end of the story, you realize, friends, it's a setup. It is a setup. And if you're going through a tough season right now, and if you, in fact, love God and you are called according to his purpose, I want you to know, even if it's a tough season, God is at work. And it's a setup for you to be where God wants you to be and do what God wants you to do. And I, doesn't it take great faith to just trust God in those seasons of life when you can't perceive Him working? I mean, anybody can trust Him when the, when the, when the you know, 
bank account's full, when the health is great, when family's getting along, so on and so forth. But when you're in the valley, I just think it takes a great amount of faith to trust Him. And, and I, I love to see, I, I've watched people in this church who have been through storm after storm after storm, and their faith is just unshakable. I just think that makes Christ look glorious. Paul said, he said in, in the book of Philippians, he said, I know what it is to have much, and I know what it is to be abased. And the, the point of that scripture that we misquote all the time or misuse all the time, I can do all things uh, through Christ who strengthens me, is about, that's about the sufficiency of Jesus. That, that if I'm on the mountaintop, he's enough. He's the one who's satisfied. It's not the money. It's not the friends. It's not the job. It's, it's not family. It's not anything. It's Christ who satisfies me. Which means if I lose all those things, I'm still content in Jesus. And that's what we see kind of going on in Joseph's life. He seems to have this unshakable faith in God. It's interesting with pain as we look at the pain in Joseph's life. Isn't it true if you look back that doesn't pain often produce progress? I mean, I'm grateful now for the storms that I've been through in my life. And I see that it was, I questioned God at the time, but I can see how God has used those uh, painful seasons to position me to be able to what, do what he has called me to do in the ministry. So uh, that's what we see in the life of Joseph. So I invite you to turn Genesis chapter 39 and verse 1. And if you don't mind, just stand with me for the reading of the scripture here. It says this, Now Joseph, who had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him down there. The Lord was with Joseph. I want you to kind of mark that or, or, or just pay special attention there. The Lord was with Joseph. And he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him. And he made him overseer of his house, and he put him in charge of all that he had. From the time that he made him overseer in the house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that land in the house and in the field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now, it looks like Joseph's trouble is possibly over. But let's look at the next verse. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he's put everything that he has in my charge. He's not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you. Because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. Verse 11. But one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, 
lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, See, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that, I lifted up my voice and cried out. He left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. And then she laid up his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came into me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard the words that the wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in prison, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord, there it is again, was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made him succeed. This is the word of the Lord and you may be seated. I want to begin uh, quickly looking at Joseph's success. We hear a lot about success today, don't we? Sensible people, I believe, want to be successful. Sane people do not want to fail. I never wake up and say, you know what, I'd really like to fail today. Therefore, many men and women are on this quest for success. There are multitudes of books and articles and blogs on the subject of success. I mean, if you were to Google how to be successful, you'll come up with just a plethora of ideas. But the best way to figure out what it is to be successful and how to be successful is to go to the one who created us and his instructions by looking at the Bible. And we find some principles on how to be successful in Joseph's story. So verse 2 tells us simply this, that Joseph became a successful man. Joseph became a successful man. And that strikes me because Joseph at this point does not seem to be in a position for success. You know, it's, when you think about his situation, I doubt uh, when, you, when you consider the circumstances that are surrounding his life, I doubt anyone would probably vote for Joseph to be the most likely to succeed at this point. I don't think his brothers would have voted him most likely to succeed. I don't think the people of Egypt, when they, after they see him thrown in the prison, would vote him as most likely to succeed. But, I mean, just think about his situation. He's been betrayed and taken to a foreign land. And by his own family, he's been betrayed. He finds himself now as a slave in Potiphar's house, and yet, even there, he becomes successful. But now he's been stripped of his... I mean, you think back, he's been stripped of his coat of many colors. He's, he's been through all of this, and now he's thrown in prison for something he didn't do. I mean, it's just issue after issue. He has lost 
so much. He's again in this kind of precarious situation. And yet even still, we find him experiencing tremendous success. I mean, even in the prison, this is just insane. How does this happen? Well, look at verse 2. So simple but so profound. The Lord was with Joseph. And I would just say to you that success can find you anywhere if the Lord is with you. I mean, you, you, will, you will read books about how you have to be in the proper place at the proper time and have the proper education and all, everything has to line up. But I'll just say to you, if, if none of those things line up for you and the Lord is with you, if he wants you to be successful, you will be successful. And I would submit to you as well that if you have all of those things and you have not the Lord with you, it's quite possible to fail. Amen? We need the presence of the Lord. So God can bring forth success in the midst of any situation. I just want you to know that because you may look around your life right now and go, oh, there's no way that I could be successful in this. I've got to wait for this to change or I've got to wait for this relationship to be fixed or I've got to wait, you know, for, for this promotion. No, where you are right now, you can accomplish what God has called you to do if he's with you. Amen? Being successful, you know, we could define that in many ways. And by the world's standards, it would probably be to have a certain amount of financial freedom. It would be to have maybe a certain uh, career path or a certain position in your field. Um, it would be maybe to have a, a certain type of family and, or, or a certain type of marriage. You know, you could go on and on and on. But really success in my book, I think this is what the Bible teaches, is about you being obedient to whatever it is God's called you to do. You just being faithful in whatever it is that God's called you to do. I don't care if, if men and women would look on you and go, oh, that person's not successful. If you are where God wants you to be, doing what God has called you to do, it may not look like success in the world's eyes, but I promise you it's success in God's eyes. And isn't that what matters? Joseph didn't have the money. He didn't have the family support. He didn't have the position. I mean, he's a servant. Now he's in prison. But he had what mattered most, the presence of God. And I, I love that Joseph experienced success even in the midst of pain. See, being success, successful doesn't mean that our lives are uh, pain-free. You, you can be successful and still experience quite a great deal of pain. Secondly, that's Joseph's success. I want to look at his sincerity, which is linked, by the way, to his success. You know our aim here is to equip people to be real followers of Jesus, which means that we're not looking just to grow a church to say, oh, look how big we are. You can look around and say, it's a good thing. That's not your goal, right? It's not my goal. My goal is to be faithful with the people that God provides us and to make sure that we're not a bunch of nominal Christians, which we find all across the world today, especially in the, in the Western world. And people who, who do the church thing and, and get excited about Jesus, but lit, really they're just about the world and, and succeeding in the world and they just want to throw a little Jesus in. They want to know, hey man, I want heaven, but I'm still going to live my life. That's not a real follower of Jesus. Jesus said you can't love God and mammon. You love one, you hate the other. He said that you, you either live your life in this world, love your life in this world, in the end you lose it, or you lose your life for my sake 
and then you get it in the life to come. You can't have both. All right, and this is, so the, the, that would be a nominal Christian, someone who's name only, who's trying to reconcile, hey, I want this world and I want Jesus. It just doesn't work that way. So I love this about Joseph. I love his sincerity. This is a, somebody who really loves God because Joseph doesn't just follow God when he gives him the dream. He follows him when he's in the prison, when he's sold as a servant, a slave. I mean, this is radical. He trusts him on the mountaintop and he trusts him in the valley. I see his, his sincerity in the fact that he makes the best of his circumstances. Again, I don't want to be redundant, but I just want you to consider this. You think your situation's bad? I mean, here's a, a slave who's been abandoned by his own brothers. He's been betrayed time and time again in a foreign land, but I just don't see him. We don't know the whole story, everything he thought and said, but we just don't see complaining and grumbling and belly aching all the time. And aren't we notorious for this? I mean, anything doesn't go our way. And we're just, I mean, we're, our world just falls apart. We get angry. We get frustrated. And I mean, all of this happens to him. And, and listen, Philippians 2.14, he's on the other side of the cross, Joseph is, and he's living this out. Do all things without grumbling and disputing. I mean, he, he doesn't get to Potiphar's house with his arms crossed and like, you know what? I'm just, I'm just throwing in the towel. And I, no, 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 he doesn't do any of that. He doesn't complain. He doesn't grumble. He serves. He glorifies God in that position when he's falsely accused and thrown in prison. What, what's he do there? He serves and he's put over the, practically the whole prison. He's trusted with so much because, which shows, I think implies that he's not grumbling. He's not complaining. He's not rebelling. He's not angry. He just trusts in the sovereignty of God. God has this. And it, listen, if your aim is to glorify God, you should really never be frustrated. Every opportunity, as a matter of fact, can I submit to you that when things do not go your way, you have a great opportunity to share the gospel. When somebody offends you or somebody does something you don't like, you have a great opportunity to make Jesus look glorious by the way you handle yourself. I just think, and again, guys, this is the other side of the cross. And Joseph, I just think, makes God look awesome. I mean, in such a way, it's, it's so incredible that other people see God's blessing in his life. Uh, his walk with the Lord is evident to those around him. Verse 3, his master saw the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his whole house. From the time that he made him overseer in the house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. The blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in his house and field. So he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Let me ask you a question. Your job or your place of employment, wherever you go, are people's life enriched by you or are they frustrated by you? Because you always need to have your way and you're always complaining and nothing's ever good enough. And No, people's lives ought to be enriched by you because of Jesus. 
I mean, when something doesn't go your way at, at, at work or at a gas station, I, I mean, whatever, I don't care, when you're at Walmart, whatever it is, somebody cuts you in line, what an opportunity, again, to make Jesus look glorious. I mean, Joseph didn't have to wear a Christian T-shirt that says, you remember those old, like, God's Gems T-shirts and all? Like, he didn't have to wear one of those to let people know that he was a Christian or a God-fearing man, I should say. Let me ask you this. If you never wore a real-life T-shirt, which I'm glad you do, Pastor Ben, you represent, but if you never, and you, if you never wore one of those shirts, if you never, you should talk about Jesus all the time, but if you never said a word about Christ, let me ask you this. Would the people who deal with you, would they say, oh, that's somebody that has the Lord with them? Have you ever met somebody and they've told you, you, were, you were, that you maybe worked with for a while and they, they find out you're a Christian and then you, they say, oh, I'm a Christian too, and you're shocked? You're like, oh, really? You? Like, that shouldn't be the case. People ought to know by your demeanor, by your actions, that you are head over heels in love with Jesus Christ. Because if you are a real follower of Jesus, it changes you from the inside out. Our, our attitude, our actions, our behavior, the way we treat people, it just changes us. So there should be a clear difference in the way that we live than the people of the world. I mean, just to name a few, our, our work ethic ought to be quite different, don't you think? The way we treat others ought to be different. Our positivity and optimism ought to be greater than anybody in the world. We ought to have joy. I mean, if so many Christians look saved and mad about it. I just don't get it. And then they wonder, like, why don't you want to come to church to me with me? Because you look miserable. You hate life. Like, why would I? I don't want to be like you, right? By your refusal, for instance, to, you think about work, of don't steal company time, right? I mean, work hard. Don't call in sick when, in fact, you're not sick. Don't gossip anywhere. Don't gossip. Don't, don't do these things that the world does. Like, we're to live differently than the world. And it's not just about not doing certain things. That's moralism, right? But more than that, Jesus Christ ought to be clearly your treasure. I mean, if, if I ask somebody that you work with, hey, what, you know, what, what is Ben treasure? What is Matthew treasure? What is Charity treasure? It ought to be without a doubt. Oh, Jesus Christ. That lady's a little crazy. She, she loves Jesus. I mean, that ought to just be abundantly clear without a lot of effort from you. Just, it just ought to, because whatever you're passionate about most, it comes out of you. You don't have to try. If it's health care, you know, exercising, you're going to talk about it. If it's food, you're going to talk about it. Right? That's what we see a lot on Facebook, right? Like people are passionate about their food. Amen? If it's L8, people are going to talk about it. If it's grippos and beer cheese, they're going to talk about it. Come on, somebody. All right. So his love for the Lord then is exhibited by his good works, his clean living. And Luke 6.45 says this, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. I know that it, there's in one sense, and this has to do with worldly people, we're not supposed to judge. 
But each other, you know how we tell who's genuine? You know the, the, the sign if you're a genuine follower of Jesus? It's by your actions. It's by your fruit, we, we would say. Because if you've got the root right, the fruit's going to be right. It's pretty simple. We grow in, in the process of sanctification, right? I mean, that, that fruit gets, spiritual fruit gets more and more evident. But if there's no difference in your life than the people of the world, something's wrong. Amen? All right, so Joseph here is, is tempted as his master's wife makes several passes at him. He's, this is a normal man. Joseph's a good-looking guy. The Bible says this, right? And he's tempted. He has an opportunity to, to um, commit sexual sin. But I love, look at verse 8. He refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he's put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in the house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you. Because you're his wife. Watch what he says. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against who? Against God. I think that's really interesting the way he phrases this. It's, it's, you see loyalty here to Potiphar, right? Like how can I do this to him? You, you get that implication, but ultimately your sin, my sin, it's against God. How could I do this? I mean... Listen, Joseph had a, has had a tough life to, life to this point, right? I mean, he's been through some stuff. And to be fair, it's Potiphar's wife that's coming on to him, not vice versa, right? So couldn't he self-justify and just say, hey, come on, the least I can do is have a one-night stand. I mean, the Lord's going to understand this. And listen, this is my servant's wife, what, or my, my master's wife, so... You know, I don't really want to do this, but I'm going to take one for the team kind of thing, right? He could have justified this. He's going to, he could have justified, but he doesn't. He, this is a man that has absolute integrity, and I love this. Is he perfect? No. But he has integrity, and he wants to follow the Lord, even if it costs him. No, oh, how that should inspire us to live in this really immoral world. To live according to the word of God. So the genuineness of Joseph's faith is just seen by the way he treats others, by, the way, by his works. It's just incredible. And so he has this sincere relationship with God. And out of this flows great success. It's interesting though, because just because you experience success, and just because you have a vibrant relationship with the Lord, does not mean that the struggle is over. Um, that's the, have you heard of the retribution principle? That's what they thought in the Old Testament. And you see this some in the Psalms, but then you look at wisdom literature such as Job that refutes that. The retribution principle goes like this, that if you're good and you behave and you love God, then everything's going to go well for you. You're going to be blessed and prosperous and not have any issues. And if you, um, if you mess up, then all hell's going to break loose in your life, period. And so... And it's, it's, they look for cause in everything. Not purpose, but cause. But then you get to Job and you see here's this righteous man who loses so much. And, you know, people are questioning him. Job, what'd you do, right? What'd you do? 
And God shows that that principle is, is not always accurate. When, when we're going through cir- circumstances, we ought to look for purpose, not cause. In other words, you know, if, if somebody's messed up or, or, or excuse me, if somebody's, um, you know, in, in bad health or they lost their job, the first reaction shouldn't be, what'd you do? Right? Remember the, the guy who was blind? And, and, and the question was, was it mom or dad who sinned, right? And Jesus said, no, that's not it. That, see, that's the retribution principle. This guy's blind. Somebody in the family has sinned and caused this. So understand that just because you love the Lord doesn't mean that everything is going to go your way all of the time. And so let's look uh, lastly, very quickly, at Joseph's struggle. And I don't have time to read all this text again, but... Um, you know, he, he resists temptation. He does. That's a good thing. And you would expect under the retribution principle, well, God's going to give you even more favor here and things are going to go really well for you because you, you did something that a lot of men would not do in that situation. But instead, what happens? Verse 15, as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me. This is the, this is the accusation and he fled, and he got out of the house. So here's, a, here's this accusation. And then Joseph by Potiphar is thrown into prison. This is what you get for doing the will of God. Trying to do what's right, living for God's glory, honoring Potiphar, resisting temptation. Here's what you get. Falsely accused and thrown in prison. Even in the struggle, though, Joseph continues to trust the Lord. When you're experiencing great success, isn't it easy to trust God? What about in suffering? As Joseph, verse 20, as Joseph's master took him and he put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord, here it is, the Lord's still with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. The promise is not in the, in the Bible that God will always get you around the struggle the storm, the valley. The promise is this, that he'll be with you. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. It's not that I'll never go in the valley. When I am, I know that God is with me, which means I can face anything. So in the midst of a prison cell, God is still showing Joseph steadfast love. Perhaps this is why Paul could rejoice in prison, right? And he says, you know, to to the Philippians, he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Here he is in imprisonment saying those words. So on the mountaintop and in the valley, we must learn to trust the steadfast love of the Lord. And again, Joseph doesn't bellyache, complain. He just continues to trust God. And God can bring success out of any situation. Now, How does this point us to Christ? We should always ask that. The Bible is about Jesus, right? And Joseph points us to Jesus Christ. Think of Jesus who came, I mean, on this great mission from God, the Father, right? To seek and save that which is lost. To save his people from their sins. Great mission, you would think he would be high five, but people hated Jesus just like they hated Joseph. 
And you just never see Jesus complain. He doesn't bellyache. Even when he's about to die, about to go to the cross, about to be arrested, and he knows what's coming. He's God. He knows what's coming. And he's grieved in the garden. 100% God, 100% man. He feels the grief, and he knows what's coming. And he says, oh, Father, if there be any other way, but not my will, but yours be done. And at any time, he could have called legions of angels to rescue him, but he went. He was obedient, the all-powerful God the Son freely went to the cross just to carry out, just to carry out God's will. And just incredible. And the people who crucified him would look and say, oh, see, Jesus was not successful. Just like they would look at Joseph and go, Joseph's not successful. The human eye might say, oh, this isn't success. Seriously, being sold into slavery, being thrown into prison, that's not success. Oh, yes, it is. When you get to the end of the story, you see it's all a setup, remember? And here you, you think about Christ, and, and as we move into Holy Week, you, you, you think about this, that, that the people who arrested and, and mocked and crucified Jesus, they think, oh, we're cutting down the plan. We're, we're, we're doing away with Christ. No, actually what you're doing, you're right in the, the hands of the, the omnipotent, sovereign God. And even death can't hold him, Jesus down, Right? He conquered death, hell, and the grave. He's risen, and, and, and it's incredible. Just absolutely incredible. And so that's what this story points us to. And so we celebrate what Christ did tonight at Calvary. So let me just ask you in, in, in closing these questions, are you seeking God's plan for your life? How are you measuring success in your life? I was with somebody just the other day and, and you know, looking for a job and these kind of things. And, I, and they, well, I, I just want to be successful, right? Successful. Well, successful is, is doing what God's called you to do right now. If you're a husband, be a good husband. Be a godly husband. If you're a father, be a godly father. If you're a mother, be a godly mother. Just be content where God has you. It doesn't mean complacent. No, allow God to drop dreams in your heart and, but, but, Wherever you're at right now, you doing the little things, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. You doing the little things day by day is successful. That, that, or that is success. That's a picture of success. Are you following God's plan for your life? Do you have, question two, do you have an authentic relationship with the Lord? And let me ask you this. Is it evident to the people around you? Joseph added blessing to Potiphar's house and even to the prison. Would people say that you add favor to their life, blessing to their life? And finally, are you able to trust God both on the mountaintop and in the valley? I hope so because he's trustworthy in both situations. And we thank him that he's, his promise is that he'll never leave us and he'll never forsake us. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to know more about how you can have a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you have questions about our church, you can email us at info at myrealchurch.org. Real Life Community Church is located at 335 Glendon Avenue in Richmond, Kentucky. We invite you to join us for worship Sunday at 1045 a.m. or Wednesday at 7 p.m. 
visit us online at myrealchurch.org.